shall we pray? We come before you, Heavenly Father, creator of all that is, to ask your blessings on this church, this class, and our teacher, Phil. We also ask your blessings on each of us here today and each of our members who, for whatever reason, cannot be here today. There are members of this class who cannot be here due to problems with their health, and we ask your blessings on them and their caregivers. We know that all that we are and have is according to your will. With the full knowledge that this is all so and true right now, we give thanks in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. all of you here. Uh, thinking everyone's trying to venture out before it gets bad again, is that right? Uh, it's been a real roller coaster. Lester was talking. Uh, it's always it's always weird when you're uh, you're thinking about saying something in Sunday school and somebody beats you to it. Uh, which is okay. I think it's only fair because uh, I taught last week on the passage he preached on today, so I was ahead of him last week. <laughs> so, uh, um, but he was he was talking about that. One thing that a lot of Christians do at the beginning of the year is sometimes make a resolution to read through the Bible. Um, I suspect a lot of people in this room have done that, made the resolution. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I suspect, I, I, I feel sure that there are people in this room who, who did it too. Um, some of you, I'm sure, have read the Bible more than once. I know this, because I know some of you. Um, some of you got bogged down. Um, there's a lot of places to get bogged down and, um, and get discouraged. And uh, Michael mentioned, you know, genealogies is one of them. Um, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in central Indiana, uh, one of the things that our church did, that some churches still do, is they had a, uh, what they called Bible Bowl. Anybody ever heard of Bible Bowl? It's like, the, it's like a quiz bowl, right? Only, uh, and so I was growing up, I was on the Bible Bowl team. <laughs> and that every year it was a different uh, book or books. One year it would be an Old Testament book, another year it would be a New Testament book or books. And, um, and there'd be national competitions, you'd have regional competitions. Um, it was crazy. Um, 
but I can I can remember some years um, like in Genesis where you know, we'd have one person it's, you have a four person team and one person we've just decided okay now you go through those names those list of names and you be the one that memorizes all of those <laughs> right because somebody's got to uh, I, I never volunteered for that um, but there are a lot of names in the book of Genesis and if you ever made it uh, to First Chronicles. Now, some of you never did, understandably, because you got bogged down in numbers. 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 And, <laughs> yeah, numbers is like, oh gosh, I'm never going to get out of numbers. But if you actually made it to First Chronicles, um, you may never have gotten out. Because um, the first nine chapters of Chronicles is all genealogy. That's all it is. It just starts with names. It doesn't give an introduction. It just starts with names for nine chapters. Long chapters. Right? Um, so I was, I've been thinking about genealogies lately. And um, in case you haven't heard, there's a genealogy craze going on for the last 10, 20 years. And I would suspect in a room this size, some of you have caught the bug. Anybody here been last few years working on your genealogy? Yeah, a lot of, pe lot of people are. Um, it turns out that uh, surveys have shown that genealogy is the second most popular hobby in the United States. Yeah. After gardening. <laughs> you were going to ask, so I, I looked that up just to be sure because, you know, I don't let you ask too many questions, so I try to anticipate most of them. <laughs> so right after gardening. And, um, and that's fascinating to me. I mean, and part of it, of course, is this sort of explosion of uh, information that's available on the internet that has made it so much easier and public access. You don't have to start by like traveling somewhere. You can do a lot of work from your desktop. Right. And that has really been a game changer. Um, and so lots and lots of people are fascinated um, with this. And that, that's interesting to me for lots of reasons. Um, because, I mean, it's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a love-hate relationship. It's, it, what's our... I mean, when you read like somebody else's genealogy, you're like your eyes glaze over, right? Um, but when it's your genealogy, it's like fascinating. <laughs> and the only thing I could think of, it's a little bit, all, all of you are old enough to remember this, it's like, it's like vacation slides, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, how, how come no one cares about my vacation slides <laughs> like I do? Yeah. Um, no one has vacation slides anymore. So yeah, it's Facebook. Yeah, that's very different than being invited over to somebody's house to see their vacation slides, though. <laughs> and the lights go dim, and on you know slide 74, you're asleep, but you're fighting to stay awake. Right, just to be polite. Like, how many more slides are there of that? Um, 
So it seems like genealogies are a little like that. I mean, our own genealogy is endlessly fascinating to us, uh, but maybe not so much to other people. Um, and I've been, I've been thinking and reading a little bit like why are people so fascinated about genealogies? And it's, it's, not, it's not surprising. It's not, um, I think we all, we all have uh, a kind of a deep desire to sort of know like where we come from, right? Um, and it seems like there's a deep human need to sort of know something about our past. We all have a sense that we're shaped uh, by the past that we can remember. Um, but we're also kind of, we also know that the people in our past, in our own past, have shaped us. And it's hard not to kind of wonder. I, once you start thinking about that, you, you've done that sort of thought experiment before. When you start thinking about that, um, you think about, well, I was influenced by my parents, and they were influenced by their parents, and they were influenced by their parents, right? And it just kind of goes on and on and on, and you kind of realize there's no like, sort of like logical place to stop that. Adam, right? Uh, so that's about the only place it goes. I mean, it just all goes back to the beginning. And so you, you begin to think about that interesting. Um, and of course, part of the fascination, too, is, um, I mean, a lot of people, again, it's always dangerous to say something after you've had people raise their hand and say, I'm, I'm into that. I'm not making any judgment about what your own reasons for doing. I think and that's one of the beautiful things is lots of people have different reasons for wanting to explore. Um, yeah. Um, and the point is, you don't have to, just mathematically, I mean, you don't have to go back all that far to realize that you could probably find just about anything you're looking for. Right? I mean, if you go back um, eight generations, right? I mean, your great, 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 great grandparents, right? You know how many there are? 1,064 people you're related to at that level. Right? Just at that level. Not, not talking about the rest of their family, just at the grandparent. So, uh, so the fact that I could find like somebody royalty, like well, I should hope so if you go back that far, <laughs> right? You got a lot to choose from, right? You got over a thousand people to choose from. If you want to find like a black sheep, there's no doubt some of those too. <laughs> um, so yeah, so all that's to say, I mean, part of it's interesting, but. We shouldn't also think that when we're doing genealogical research that I'm making choices about which one of those ancestors I want to claim, <laughs> right? Because there's, at some point, there are thousands of them, right? And some of them, I want to say, well, you know, I'm related to this person. It's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, 
I'm also related to these people <laughs> who will remain unnamed. <laughs> and so I start there because we, we kind of have this fascination of late and I think it might help us. Um, so, so today I'm probably going to teach maybe for a lot of you what will be the first and you're probably thinking the last Sunday school lesson you're ever going to hear on genealogy. <laughs> And uh, I want us to look. We've been looking at the Gospel of Luke. It's year C in the liturgical cycle. There's three years. And year C in the church year is focuses on the Gospel of Luke. And so we've been looking at the opening sections of Luke, uh, particularly with an eye towards hope. Uh, what do we learn about hope in the opening chapters? And um, we, we skipped over. Luke's genealogy, but we're, you know, you know me well enough, I don't have any uh, problem going backwards <laughs> just when you think you're getting to the end of a series, but we forgot something. So we're going to go back um, and uh, we're going to look at Luke's genealogy. We're not going to, I'm not going to read you all the names, um, but I want us to look at Luke's genealogy and Notice how, and we also want to look at Matthew's. Okay, Matthew and Luke both have genealogies, just as both of them have birth narratives. Mark and John have neither one. Okay. Um, but they're very different genealogies. Um, and trying to think through, like, what are they trying to say? Like, when you put your genealogy together and you pick some people... In your, in your mind anyway, I mean, when you're talking to people about it, you pick some people rather than others, you're, you're saying something. And the gospel writers are saying something too. And I think there's something hopeful in what both of them are saying, Matthew and Luke, that uh, might be interesting to think about when we think about <coughs> genealogy and ancestors and, quote, where we come from. And what does where we come from. What is, what are, what's the good news? What are Luke and Matthew trying to say that's good news sort of buried in these lists of names that if you're like me, I'm just so very tempted to just skip over. I mean, what could, what could God possibly say in a list of names that I can't even pronounce? And so, so that's what we're going to do. And I just remind you of something that we've talked about a number of times here. Wallace and I were talking about this before. And that is, is to remember to think of the Gospels um, as sort of portraits of Jesus. Um, and they're four different portraits. And the church is better off by having four different portraits because each of them paint Jesus in a certain way that's true. Um, if we hired four different portrait uh, painters, right? Um, we were talking about Wallace earlier this morning. You know, if we hired four different portrait painters to paint Wallace, uh, all four of them, if they were skilled, would capture something beautiful and important about who Wallace is. But they wouldn't be identical. And 
the most inappropriate question you could ask was, but which one is the real Wallace? No. What we'd like to think is, I get closer to understanding who Wallace is because I have all four. Because all four of them capture something that I would, that would be missing, that I'd be the poorer for it if I didn't have that one. And it's interesting, in the early church, the early church thought we needed all four Gospels. And there was some attempt early on to take the four Gospels and collapse them into just one story. And the church said no. Um, vehemently said no. We need these four stories. They all are true and tell us something. But they're not, right? If, if the only kind of truth you can think of is like, are they historically accurate in 21st century terms? Then that creates issues for you. Issues that the early church noticed, but wasn't vexed by. It wasn't like they didn't notice. And so we'll notice that today. Uh, but Matthew and Luke both have their reasons for listing the genealogy in the way that they do. They're both carefully crafted. And so the, the challenge is to say, just like in the portrait, you're trying to say, like, well, what, what's that portrait painter trying to capture in this portrait? What, are they, what, what of Wallace are they trying to help us see? It's always a good thing that when you're reading a gospel, saying, well, what is Luke or Matthew or Mark? What, what, what are they trying to communicate about Jesus here that matters to us in our day? And so let's just, rather than, again, I'm not going to bore you with like reading through two long lists. Let me just sketch um, a couple things. Let's, let's start with Matthew, since that's the one. Matthew just starts with it. Okay, so first chapter of Matthew, very first verse. That's where Matthew starts. And I'll be real worried the first verse because he gives an overview of where he's going. He says, an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Right. Now notice even there, he doesn't mean that Jesus is the literal, direct son of David son of Abraham. He means it's in that lineage. That's the overview. So three things. In the very first verse, Matthew wants you to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? The anointed one of God. The promised one of God that Israel waited generations for. Hundreds of years. And that he stands in the lineage of David, the royal line, and Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. So he's a Jew, and he's of the royal line of David. And that's important, of course, because God made promises to Abraham and to David that Abraham that through Abraham, God would bless all the nations of the world. And that 
the royal line of David would be unending. And both of those seemed improbable, as you know. We rehearsed that story. And so part, in the very first verse, Matthew's making this audacious claim that in Jesus, God's promises have been fulfilled. This ancient promise made thousands of years ago to Abraham and to David's lineage in this one person. And so then he offers a very carefully crafted genealogy. He offers 42 generations in three groups of 14. Fourteen is an important number okay, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, you can imagine. Seven's an important number, 14 is two. Um, but he, if in, your, in your Bible, they're probably in paragraphs, right? So two through six runs from Abraham to David. And then at the beginning, halfway through verse seven, it gets from David and then goes down to the exile into Babylon another 14 generations. Then after Babylon to Jesus, another 14. Okay. And so that's, that's how Matthew has crafted it as three sets of 14 generations that are tied to historical persons and to historical events, key events in Israel. We'll come back to some things in his that are unique. So that's how he has structured it. Beginning with Abraham, right? And running to Jesus. Now, if you flip over to Luke, Luke doesn't start with a genealogy. Luke has his genealogy after Jesus is baptized in chapter 3. So if you go to chapter 3 of Luke, Very interesting. The last words before the genealogy in verse 22. This is where Jesus has been baptized. The Holy Spirit descends. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So we have this voice from heaven declaring Jesus' identity as Son of God. Um, so what does that mean, that he's Son of God? Because he looks like a guy. Um, and so Luke continues. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. He was the son, as was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli. And so now Luke begins his genealogy right there after identifying Jesus as Son of God at his baptism, now Jesus is going to have his human lineage traced in reverse of what Matthew does. Right? Matthew started with Abraham and went all the way to Jesus. Now he is starting right, with Joseph. Right? And he's going to go, and he's not going to do 14 generations. Right? 
he's going to do 77 generations. Okay? Um, 14 plus two sevens, now we have seven and seven, 77. And he's going to trace it not to Abraham, but if you look all the way over to the end of chapter 3, you get the vast verse says, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. So Luke's going to trace the lineage back through Abraham all the way to Adam at the very beginning. And Adam is also called son of God. These are very, and if you were to take the two lists and set them side by side, there are places where they're absolutely identical. There are other places where they diverge in mind-spinning ways. Like there's no parallel at all. Um, particularly when it gets to David. Um, Matthew traces Jesus' lineage through David's son, Solomon. You've heard of Solomon, a lot of you. Luke traces Jesus' heritage through David's third of fourth sons, Nathan, who you've never heard of. I mean, you've heard of Nathan, but it's not any of the Nathans you've heard of. This Nathan doesn't really show up at all in the Old Testament. And so it's very interesting that this huge section of, Nathan, of Luke's has all these obscure people that we don't know hardly anything about other than they're named. And so he takes a different track back. And this is, you know, as you would guess, given all kinds, you know, led to all kinds of speculation, like what, what's he doing? What are these lists? Why are they so different? And again, we won't trouble you with all the possibilities, but none of them, most scholars think, sort of resolve all the questions easily. There's no easy answer to that as far as just what do you do with that? But I think rather than get so caught up in that, it's trying to see like what are they trying to say? in offering these lists. What are they trying to say about Jesus? What are they trying to say to their audience, people who they think are likely to hear this? Now we know that Matthew was written primarily to a Jewish audience. So it's not surprising that for to the four, right, right, in, right in the very first verse, Matthew wants his hearers to know that this Jesus is Messiah. That's Jewish language. Right? That taps into Jewish hope. Um, and that Jesus is the fulfillment of promises made by God to Abraham and to David. He is the hope, right? He is the hope of Israel and the fulfillment of all the hopes of Israel. Luke, written later, we believe, is directed uh, to a broader audience, including Gentiles. 
And so it's interesting here. I think it's not by accident that when Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus, he doesn't stop at Abraham, who wouldn't have meant anything to Gentile people, but traces Jesus all the way back to the very first person. Right? We, we noted all along in Luke, even so far in the first few chapters, that Luke is talking about the way in which the gospel is going to reach way beyond the Jews. Right? I've always heard that echoed in uh, some of the early songs right, by people right, talking about that this is going to be a light, Jesus in Simeon's song, that Jesus is going to be a light to the nations not just Israel. And so here, even in a genealogy where your eyes can just so easily just glaze over, Luke is trying to make a very important theological point. That when you think about who you are, right, who you are, um, and if we're fascinated by you know, <clears throat> do I have royal blood in me? Or do I, you know, were one of my ancestors on the Mayflower? Kind of gives you bragging rights, right? Um, who, who in my ancestry can I sort of trot out to make myself feel a little better about myself, right? Um, is it just all rogues? <laughs> I mean, and so it's interesting that here Luke goes all the way back to the beginning. Jesus is not only from the lineage of David and Abraham, but also from the lineage of Adam, as are you. Right. So you may or may not have Jewish blood in your DNA. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I know, I'm not going to ask how many have done your, your DNA testing to see, right? Um, whole other discussion. Um, but here, I mean, Luke's breadth and scope here um, is breathtaking. And he's trying to remind us that what God's about is, is somehow pulling in all people. All people. Uh, this is not just a Jewish story. It is a Jewish story. I mean, Luke's very clear in the passage we read last week. I mean, Jesus was a Jew. He went to synagogue every week. So what's his custom? He was fully Jewish. Right? He even identifies himself in the passage we read last week in chapter 4 as a Jewish prophet. He's clearly willing to be recognized as a Jewish prophet. Luke's going to insist, of course, that he's more than that, but he's not less than that. And so here we see, you know, this is good news for all people. Right? This is not just a Jewish story that if you're sort of uh, in that line, but early on, 
right? It's not, you don't have to wait until the end of the story. You don't have to wait till Acts. You don't have to wait until Paul's letter. You don't have to wait till any of that to begin to get a glimpse that this story is for all people. And Luke's trying to make that point here in this list list of people that again if you had read them I mean I'm not saying that you'd be edified right? um, but it's an interesting because most of the people in there you've never heard of I mean at least in Matthews a lot of those you've heard of like oh yeah I think I remember that story from you know way back but a lot of them you don't know who they are Last thing I want to say that's interesting about these genealogies, and now I want to flip back to Matthew. Because one because Matthew does his own radical thing. If if Luke does something radical in you know taking in the whole scope and tracing Jesus' lineage all the way back to Adam, Matthew has these very strange things that go on in his, and that is he has five women mentioned in his genealogy. And genealogies were generally in that day and age about men. Right? About men. And what's even more striking is that these women, um, well, one, one of the last ones, Mary, but the other four are, are very unusual choices. Very unusual choices. And they're the, they're the kind of story. I mean, the first one is Tamar. Now, it, you'd have to have really studied your scripture well to remember the story of Tamar. It's not one that you got taught, I feel sure, uh, when you were a young person in Sunday school. And it wouldn't be a story I would be rehearsing here. Was this not a, you know, at least a PG-13 audience? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. Um, you know the story of Tamar? Yeah, some of you do. Um, I'll rehearse it very quickly. Um, so Tamar. Um, you can find this story in, in Genesis uh, 35. Um, Tamar's husband dies. And according to Jewish tradition, and you have to understand this is sort of what we call leveret marriage, um, if a woman's husband's died before she has any male offspring, then your dead husband's siblings, male siblings, are supposed to help you produce children so your line will go on. Okay? So another son has tries to have children, by, and he also dies. There's one son left. And that son's father and that son think, this is not looking good. <laughs> I know this is my obligation, but you know what? Looks like a death sentence. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so Tamar disguises herself and has a child by her former husband's father who refused to give her his last son. She's in the genealogy of Jesus. And so is that son. Okay. Uh, it's not the, it's not the uh, brightest moment in Israel's history. And it's easy to look down on Tamar, but in the interchange, it's very clear that she was in the right. This comes out in Genesis 35. Right? Because this was what was owed her, and she was refused it. So that's one of the women uh, that's mentioned. Another woman that's mentioned, of course, is Rahab. You remember the story of Rahab? who was the prostitute, right, in Jericho that the spies went and she sheltered them. And it turns out that she, the tradition is that she was honored, she also married, the tradition is, one of the spies, um, and had a child that's in the lineage of Jesus. Okay. She was not a Jew. Okay. So in the lineage of Jesus, it mentions this woman who was a prostitute, um, but who has a son that's in the lineage of Jesus. That's in the book of Joshua. And of course, Ruth is in there. And she's not very far away from Rahab. She's only a couple generations away uh, from Rahab. Uh, so uh, Ruth is a descendant and uh, that, that she's going to be into that very, she's also uh, not a Jew, um, but going to be grafted in to the Jewish line. And then there's Bathsheba, who actually isn't named directly. There's sort of an indirection in Matthew just talks about the wife of Uriah, right? And you remember the story, right? Um, Uriah was Bathsheba's husband, and King David uh, saw Bathsheba bathing and decided he should have her, and so conspired to make sure that Uriah, uh, the soldier, got sent to the front line so that he would be killed, so he could have Bathsheba for himself. Right. Um, but Bathsheba becomes eventually one of David's wives, and Solomon is from that line. Okay. In the line of Jesus. Okay. So Matthew is saying, yeah, look, look at Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham, great patriarchs. But look who's also in this 
genealogy. Some remarkable women, actually, uh, who were never named in Jewish genealogies, <coughs> typically. And so there's something powerful about looking. It's easy. Again, you don't know the story. You just run over those names. You don't think anything about it. But there's some. Matthew's trying to say something important there that I think is hopeful. So, where do you come from? Right. Who, who are your people? Uh, where do you trace when you think about your own lineage and think about your own identity? How do you, how do you think about that? Um, and I think the good news in these two relatively easily, you could just call them obscure lists of names in the two Gospels, both writers are trying to say something significant, first of all, about God. Right? Uh, that God, we can, we can be hopeful people because one, God keeps God's promises. Um, in God's time, right? Um, in ways that we often don't see. Most of these people in this book, in this story, named in these lists, would have had, it would have never occurred to them that they, their names would be read aloud today. Right? But that God was at work in all of that messiness. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I think I'm not, I'm not as hopeful as I probably ought to be that God can work in and through the messiness of our lives. I'm often tempted to think if we could just get the mess cleaned up, then God could use us better. Right? Um, but there's, there's, these are messy, messy stories here. Messy people like us. And um, so I don't know how you think about your heritage, whether you're proud of it, whether you don't ever talk about it because you're a little embarrassed by it. Uh, but the good news is uh, God's at work in and through our lives, largely in ways that we have no idea. These people maybe caught glimpses now and then, just like we may catch glimpses now and then. Um, but God was doing a lot that they could never know. And so we, we should take hope in that, that God is working in and through you, in and through us, in ways that we can't imagine and will probably never know in this lifetime. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you great thanks for your word for these different portraits of Jesus that reveal so much about you, about Jesus, and about us. We pray as we read these stories and um, reflect on your character revealed in and through your word, that we would find ourselves being people of hope, that however we think about our own heritage, our own identity, that we think most of all that we are beloved children of you, adopted children, 
siblings of Jesus Christ, beloved of you, and that you are at work in us, regardless of whether we can see it or not. So may we take hope this week in all the ways that you work through all of us. And may we have eyes to see those glimpses, and may we have the trust to believe in hope when we cannot see. We pray this through Christ. Amen. 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 <coughs> Still with a name like mine, I don't care about going back too far because I like Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs>